0: And welcome to Food for Thought. I'm Didi McGraw, And I'm Laura Mangone. And we're here, we're here, we're going to be talking about some food. um, Namely, Laura, we're going to be talking about New Orleans.
1: Yeah, I've been continuing my uh, world cuisine, going through all my books here. And although this week I was more focused on national cuisine, because I'm going to be talking about New Orleans and Creole okay. food and Cajun food and soul food and the differences and I made a couple of really interesting dishes this week. So yeah, we will get okay. to that. But I know you know it's hard to hard to avoid. <laughs> it's yeah. very interesting. If you had told me five years ago when we started this that we were going to sort of be talking almost equally about politics as we were well, food, I I would have said you're freaking crazy. Well, not I- politics.
0: I, I, you right. But I, right. Like if I had prefaced it by saying, Hey, you want to do this food show? We're going to talk about politics part of the time. We've actually, um, there've been periods over the past four years that we talked more about it. And then I think we tried to pull back. Yeah, we did. You know, and say, you know, we've, we've been inundated with all of this, you know, bad news every day. We don't need to hash it out. But I think- I it's hard that. not to.
1: It's, it's in your consciousness. It's in your, you know, it's in our every day. You turn the news on, it's it's obviously this time of year, the, the election coming up, whatnot. But I was never so involved. I mean, I've literally listened to almost, granted, I have them in my, my AirPods. But when I'm shopping, when I'm running errands, when I'm at work, when I'm, you know, when I'm running around, I've been listening to the hearings for the past three days. So the
0: hearings on ACB. Yeah. Um, one of the things, like, not to. I think originally I was. You know, I was concerned about Roe Roe v. Wade. Yeah. But. You know, even though I'm I'm not a Democrat, I'm an independent. I've just voted democratically for. Uh, ever since George W. George, um, Junior's yeah. second term is when I have consistently voted Democratic, Mm -hmm. I'm always open to voting for a Republican. I just haven't found a good one recently that I could get my head around. Um, But one of the issues that is a huge issue with ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, is her stand on abortion. Now, even though I consider myself pro-choice, I'm probably the closest thing to pro-life as you can imagine, because I do think I have a born again Christian friend. I actually have a couple of them. And one of them gave me her argument. And she said, you can't tell me that there is not something just a a thousand percent morally wrong with ending a life right, an infant's life. And I, and I said, okay, But to make the decision based on that, on how wrong it is, Mm -hmm. um, I think is is basically what you're going to do is you're going to be causing a lot more death. Um, And your argument is, well, that baby doesn't have a say. Well... I've been reading a lot about uh, what late-term abortion is, and I wish they would talk more about this. And yes, I know this is heavy for a food show, and we're gonna we are gonna switch over. But for the most part, and I would like to get a true number on this. Late-term abortion is not people who find themselves pregnant and don't realize they're pregnant until they're eight months in. Then no, name. of course not. It's about women who. All of a sudden, find themselves in a situation with a baby who is severely uh,
1: debilitated. Or
0: debilitated is not going to make it, and they are forced with the decision to decide whether they bring the pregnancy to term or whether they have like um, they they force delivery early,
1: or to- if it's a decision also about losing her own life.
0: Exactly. And so for the most part, that's what late-term abortions are. I've been hearing so much about, you know, late-term abortion, late-term, they don't care. Like my born-again Christian friend, they, they don't care. They kill babies. No, these are, these are families who are faced with this horrific yeah. horrific ordeal. So, so, so yeah, I'm still, um, I thought that, but in ACB's defense, I would like to see more laws that kind of curtail
1: absolutely
0: the abortion that's going on. And, Once and again,
1: this, I feel exactly the way I've said, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think for the most part, um, people on the far right, you know, there's extremists on both sides. And right. I think the majority of people fall within the gray area in between. It's not black. It's not white. Our, our positions are not all that far apart. Although, you know, you listen to the news and you listen to the president and you listen to the vice president and it makes it seem like everybody is so divided. I don't think we're so divided. I don't think everybody is a staunch Republican, a staunch conservative or a staunch liberal. I think there's a lot of people that are in between. Yeah. But like myself was- included. Yeah, you know, I I um you know, one of the aspects of the hearing yesterday they were talking about um gun control.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you can own a gun. You can it, the issue isn't the whole argument with gun control which I think it was Senator Sass who was um you know, questioning her at this point. You know, it it's not a question of can you own a gun it's not the right to bear arms no you know, the changes that need to be made are that you don't have the right to own military grade weaponry and thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition
0: but the right seen, sees any, um, any
1: infringement, any infringement
0: any, including all of that to be trying to take away your Second Amendment rights, which right?
1: Is- but it's not. Again, it's it. not black and white. It's there's a big area in this in the center of the con- of all of these controversies. Quite frankly, I mean, I think if you went down the line line by line on all of the big issues, um, you know, for instance, the Affordable Care Act. You know, everybody on the right, everybody on one side thinks that, Oh, you know, it's just socialist. Everybody's equal. Everybody's going to have the same thing. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, there's millions and millions of people that are benefiting from this situation. And
0: I'm I'm one of them. And- it, um,
1: I'm not at the moment, but, uh, you know, my expense, my health, ex- my medical insurance is astronomical astronomical for just my husband and I, no children, astronomical. Right. But and the also the, the biggest thing is when you talk about um which is this is one of the biggest issues that they talked about whenever they were talking about the Affordable Care Act was um talking about pre-existing conditions. You know, there's a great many uh, literally 80% of our country are people taking medication for diabetes for heart issues for things that are ongoing chronic illness that they're going to have these bills for the rest of their lives and you know what if they go in and change all of the pre-existing condition terms what do you do if you're someone no, that screwing. even right now is struggling with paying for your medication or eating You know, how how do you, what do you do? What do you
0: do? Or the people that are dying because they are um, rationing their insulin. Yeah. Because they can't afford it. Um, I mean, this is a
1: a minor, minor example, but um, since the Affordable Care Act was passed, my, uh, what is covered on my insurance for my EpiPen, Is drastically different than what it was five years ago. So, my uh, EpiPen is a life saving device. I'm allergic to bees. I'm allergic to, you know, I'm allergic to a great many things. And I go into anaphylactic shock and my throat closes. And if I don't get help, if I don't get epinephrine, I will die. I've had a couple of episodes, so I always have my EpiPen with me. Um, prior to the Affordable Care Act, where it not only because of the insurance that I have, but just the, the prescription costs. Um, and I know this was sort of an isolated incident. The, the makers of the EpiPen, I believe, were brought up on charges about you know monopolies and price gouging and whatnot. But I went to get my EpiPen renewed at the pharmacy and gave them my insurance card, and it was literally $480 for me to get. And they only sold them in double packs. I couldn't just buy one. I had to buy two. $480. And I said, Oh no, yeah. that can't be. You know, here's my insurance. And she's she said, Yep, that's with your insurance. That's the cost. So yeah since the affordable care act was put into place and also this manufacturer, this pharmaceutical company, you know, was a little bit, um, uh, I, for lack of a better word, I think it was termed price gouging because they were the only person that was prescribing or making this product. Um, you know, that since has changed, but what if you're, you know, this is just an EpiPen. Like if I have an allergic, issue. What about insulin? You know, what about things that people take on a regular basis? It's, yeah. I, it's crazy to me.
0: Well, How I think you know. the whole, uh, <laughs> Trump is so against ACA. And I think the whole, you know, his, his Republican uh, sycophants <laughs> uh, is because it's, synonymous with Obamacare and they want anything that Obama did. Yeah. He just wiped I, I from totally
1: agree. I totally history. Agree. I wish everybody would be, I hope everybody's listening to these hearings because aside from the fact that it's, you know, it's our government and the way things work, it's really enlightening. Um, she, you know, is amazing I, I do, I do love her in a way. She's extremely well versed. She's a scholar. She's, uh, she's basically giving a lecture. You know, uh, she's teaching us about the rule of the law and how our government works just in the right. fact that she's answering these questions the way she's answering them. So it's it's really eye-opening. I mean, I've learned a lot just by listening to the hearings. I hope other people are, because it really does, you know, a judge is well supposed to be an impartial please, person. Uh...
0: She's been, some of the Democrats have been expressing concern because she brings up, she was posed uh, the question, I think, several times by different senators that said, what do you think about um, the transition of power? You know, it being, you know, the question of Trump, you know, questioning right. the election results. And then she said that I really can't answer that until, I, until I'm in the position and I see both sides, and Democrats are worried about that. I don't think we have to be worried. I think what she's saying is, I'm not going to make some kind of blanket statement that I would not support someone who was questioning the election results. What I'm saying is that I would want to see what exactly, specifically- yeah they said in regard to their concerns. So she didn't, she didn't yeah, want to she's been
1: saying that a lot. She's been saying, aside, like, which, which is absolutely true. She, you know, they've been asking her a lot in this circumstance, in this hypothetical, and this, and she, you know, is basically saying, I, I need to be in that situation. You cannot make a hypothetical, she can't make a hypothetical, uh, you know, decision on something or even give a hypothetical answer on something because, there's arguments, there's
0: briefs. I think what she's saying is, you know, I don't, I cannot imagine that she's a real Trump supporter, but that, you know, even though he's Trump and we, we can't stand him, I would at the very least have to listen to his argument. Yeah. You know, which she should, if anybody tries to say that the election is a fraud, you know, they would have to listen to that argument. So, right. I, you know, I can't, we can't worry, you know, we can't so
1: worry. Done. Um, you know, everybody is making the comparisons that she's basically going to be another Scalia. Cause she, she worked with Scalia and her views are similar, but even, even to that question, she said, you're not getting Scalia, you're getting me. And, and I right. have my own mind and I have my own decisions and I have my own um inferences and I have, you know, it's, it's, it's not a carbon copy, which I think a lot of the senators have been, you know, questioning her about and making her feel,
0: making her answer to that. If that. I'm glad I'm really glad she's got, she's a conservative, but she's got two black kids. I know exactly. I'm really glad that she has that. That was interesting
1: yesterday. Um, it might've been Senator Cruz was asking a question about black lives matter. And she, you know, honestly talked about, you know, having conversations with her daughter about what may or may not happen in her future, whether she has a son or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something it's hitting her at home. So I think that's great. That is a good thing.
0: Yeah. We're running out of time, but just to, so when we come back um, I just want to talk about my, failed my recent your vegan failures. Okay, yeah, I had like three failures in a row. Oh God. Okay.
1: All right, and I'm and I'm gonna be taking us to New Orleans. We're and you're going be. to
0: New Orleans. I'll we're get my be, failures out of the way.
1: We're gonna be talking Creole and Cajun
0: and Low Country and all of the, what all of that entails. Okay, and I'm gonna have a lot of questions.
1: That's okay. <laughs> I, hopefully, I can answer your questions, Senator.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we'll be back.
2: Paid non attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free, and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that. Medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24 7. Call us at 1 855 398 1754. 1 855 398 1754. That's 1 855 398 1754. Attorney Advertising William Stepacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states
3: tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news. Now, you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Generic Sildenafil allows you to save up to $650 on Viagra. Why pay name brand prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get the same results for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 50 generic Sildenafil pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $750 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill for the name brand again. Get Generic Sildenafil for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-590-0443 today and save up to $650 and get 50 pills for just $99. Generic Sildenafil is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting to take your call now. Call 800-590-0443. That's 800-590-0443. Again, 800-590-0443.
4: 7292.
0: Welcome back to Food for Thought. And we're back. And we've got all of our political thoughts out of our heads.
1: Out of our system for the evening. Thank God. It is a okay. little overwhelming. I mean, granted, I know I've been listening to it, and I should be put on a podcast or something and pour some mellow music while I'm running around like a crazy person doing my stuff, but um, it's unavoidable. <clears throat> and I'm learning, about, I'm learning all uh, about our government.
0: Yes. Herd immunity. Some people say herd immunity equals mass murder, but anyway, on that note, <laughs> mass murder, let's go to New Orleans. <laughs>
1: So I'm continuing with my worldwide tour. But in this case, as I said, it's more of a national tour. And I've been reading and cooking and learning all about New Orleans.
0: Now, uh, Laura, yes. can I just interject this a little bit? Because one of the things I've been trying to hit home with these, all of these um, cuisines, different cuisines is that I think we've been relying too much on Google searches and we need to go back to the books.
1: I, I, have not looked up one item. I've been reading my books. No, I
0: know. But that's my point is that I think a lot of people, they rely on Google searches. Oh, you mean in the general population? I thought you meant me. I'm like, I no, no. What I'm saying (laughs) is what we're, we're doing our due diligence here by consulting with the books and you have to read a lot. Books. And I've, I've actually been searching on Amazon for books on specific ethnic cuisines. Because when you have a, you know, a 400 page book that might be about um, Israeli food or Mexico or whatever, you're going to get a really in-depth analysis and probably one that includes history. So
1: that's why I've been talking about these books. World Food. It's a series called World Food. Uh, the um, producer of these books is called lonely planet. And literally I have a library of about 30 of them, but I'm sure there are many, many more. Right, And they are short. Uh, This one is 222 pages, but it really delves into, before it even goes near food, it talks about, you know, geographically, It talks about the culture. It talks about the etiquette. It talks about, you know, it's more of a travel book than just a cookbook. So it's talking about the different regions in an area and different customs.
0: Sorry. And some history.
1: Yeah. All, I mean, the first chapter is just historical, geographical, cultural. Yeah. Right. That's why I like, that's why I really like these books because you know, in these times when we can't be traveling, um, sort of became my thing to just travel through a book. And this is what, you know, when Mario and I go traveling, this is what we do. We search out the people in the area. We go to the local markets. We have conversations with people. We find out why they're eating, what they're eating, when they're eating. Um, So, you know, this, this book series is specifically like I'm taking a little tour. And I have been to New Orleans many, many times. Um, We actually had the good fortune of uh, one of our culinary friends. One of our friends that we went to the culinary with um, has a dear friend who's from New Orleans and her family are all part of one of the crews. So that is C-R-E-W-E. A crew is the organization that during Mardi Gras is on each of the float. Each float has its own crew. And Mario became a member of Endymion, which is one of the bigger crews. And we were there during Mardi Gras one year and we loaded the float with all the beads and we went to all the parties and we went to, you know, did all of what the locals do when they are on a float. Um, in during Mardi Gras. So, um, it's really interesting. So the, the, the majority of this book, I, I knew quite a bit about, um, Creole and Cajun food. Um, as I'm sure, you know, the, uh, you know, the settlers who came from France and Spain, um, settled there in the Southeast and also, I'm sorry, the you know, central states in the South and their food was known as Creole. So this is just right off the bat. I never really knew the difference between Creole. I mean, I did, but this really, this really illuminates it. So the difference between Creole and Cajun is Creole are mostly French or Spanish settlers that came and that was the foods that they brought. And they're more urban foods, like the foods that they were serving in big cities whether it was mater or new orleans or whatever this is creole that's creole
0: and creole is more french
1: it's more french spanish and
0: generally
1: if just from an ingredient point of view generally most creole items have tomato product in them right they're cajun so the word cajun comes from acadian which is the french canadian all the provinces up in Canada, like New Brunswick and Nova Scotia and Quebec. So they, when they came and settled in the South, Acadian basically got shortened to Cajun. So that is the Cajun and they use more spices. They don't use as much tomato products and it's basically rural foods. It was what was cooked in the country as opposed to the big cities.
0: Okay, I'm actually okay. So I'm learning so much. I never knew that that Cajun means that it was the, the folks who traveled from from Canada.
1: Yeah, the French provinces the, of Canada.
0: French provinces of Canada, and they, their foods were for some reason more pervasive in the rural. They community. settled
1: more in this in the country. As I wonder
0: why it. that is. Why did the French I think gravitate toward the country? I think
1: it was had to do with wealth. And I think the French and the Spanish were more in the areas that were more city, you know, more settled areas. And then the Canadians moved to the more rural areas. And, and it's interesting because not only are there the differences in sort of the feel of the food, um, but Creole food basically uses more herbs Mm-hmm. and cajun foods uses more spices so you you have more you know aromatic herbs in creole cuisine than in cajun it's more it's more about the heat and the spice that's right
0: interesting, isn't it so that's, yeah this is all these are all good points i feel like i need a, a whiteboard <laughs> at the end of this to, to bullet point the differences because yeah, there's a, what I love about, huge... about cooking and culinary stuff is that if you keep digging, you'll find out more, you'll you find, out, find more. out
1: everything. And this is normally, you know, like I said, if Mario and I were traveling, like when we've been away, we go and we'll have a conversation with someone and like, well, why is it done that way? And why isn't it done this way? You know, even specifically, if you just want to take one dish, which is one thing that I made this week, which is a gumbo. Um, There's, so you can have a Creole gumbo or you can have a Cajun gumbo. So it's, you know, depending on where you are, if you're more rural or more city, the the Creole gumbo would be, again, because it's Creole, more Spanish and French, it would have tomato in it, where the Cajun would not generally have tomato in it. Really? Okay. The Creole gumbo would most definitely be shellfish or fish and the cajun would most probably be meat so there's like there are
0: definitive differences okay so let's let's think about it so that makes sense because the folks traveling down from canada there's not a whole lot of coast exactly so yeah. the people so they from with France, them, France and Spain, lots of coast. Yeah. So, so therefore and, and more the, meat And the biggest things, to... things that they would make
1: would be like squirrel. Yeah. Or, you know, things that were common. That right. sort of progressed to uh, chicken, lamb, duck. But the one general thing that's usually in both is andouille sausage. Even if it was seafood... From the, cre- from the Creoles, they would still put some andouille in it just for the heat of it and the texture of it and the difference between this, the fish and the, you know, piece of sausage. But the
0: andouille, where does the andouille sausage come from? Doesn't and, that come from Spain? It comes from Spain, yeah. So, so you have uh, all of these influences.
1: So literally... The,
0: British, the, the uh, Canadian uh, folks who came down they cajuns. incorporated the andouille sausage because it was already there with the creole influence no it was there from the spaniards that came that's what i mean yeah 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 the creole the, yeah. the spain influence so it's yeah. like i always wonder like what happened first you know so right the cajuns decided to incorporate andouille because the spaniards were already there right and it was it, andouille was there well the thing that happened
1: first is the chocotah Indi-
0: indians <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. That's that region the Choctaws is the name of the tribe and okay. there are still Choctaw reservations in New Orleans and all over Louisiana. Right. Like that Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. <laughs> like that, Louisiana. Um so as you probably know, most people might not know but um to how in French cuisine we have a mirepoix which uh-huh. is two parts onion, one part celery, one part carrots. Mm-hmm. Basically, in all of these cuisines in the South, C- Cajun, Creole, soul food, you rather than using a miripro, you use something called the Trinity. And right. it's equal parts, it doesn't have carrot, it's equal parts onions, celery, and green bell pepper. Right, so That is something that is across the board, whether it's Creole or a Cajun, the Trinity is always there.
0: Really? Okay. I like it because it's- the, And the it's for the Father, Son, and the
1: Holy Ghost. It's, you know, it, right. it, it is- a,
0: And no carbs.
1: It's a Catholic reference. Right. Um, so the, the gumbo that I made was chicken and andouille. I did not put any seafood in it. So then it would be more of a Cajun- than a Creole, um, and it was delicious. Um, the, the trick to gumbo is, um, while most people think the roux, like in French cuisine, or you know, when we use roux, we're using it as a thickener, in Creole and Cajun cuisine, they do use a roux, although they don't use it as much in Creole, they use it more in Cajun, And it's a dark roux, totally different thing than a French roux. A French roux, you you cook for tops, three minutes, four minutes. You just want it to be soft and you want the flour and the fat to mix. You want it to just cook out the flour slightly. A Cajun or or Creole roux, you could cook for an hour.
0: And it's dark.
1: It's super dark.
0: Chocolate color.
1: And it's more for flavor than for thickener. So the dark hold on,
0: got a question? Got a question. So, yeah. when you say, is there something chemically that happens with the darker roux that breaks down? Yeah,
1: the, fat the flour,
0: is... so that it doesn't yes. is not as much of a binder.
1: Yeah, the gluten in the flour, right. which is okay, the thing that's a thickener, is being cooked out, and it's basically it's cooked, you know, low and slow, and it's more about the flavor of it.
0: Is that true of, of just between, you know, not just in Louisiana cooking, but a, a regular roux versus a dark roux yeah. that one is really used for thickening and one yes. is mainly used for, for flavor. flavor?
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. The dark, The darker the roux, the more flavor, the less thickening powder. And actually when using it in a gumbo, it's not the rue that's thickening anything it's just for the flavor the thing that's thickening in a gumbo specifically is the okra or the right. filet so right. the filet we talked about a couple of weeks ago i think and it's right. ground sassafras leaves and it has a thickening power as does okra as you know okra can get slimy and the trick because i did put okra in my gumbo this week and the trick is basically you have to just saute it in butter really quickly and then take it out and let it sit for a while while you're doing everything else. And then once you put it back in, the gelatinous membrane starts to break away and that's what thickens your gumbo.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, do you, I would like to, cause you know, I've finally at 55 years old, uh, I've done a couple of crock pot dishes <laughs> just uh-huh. in the past two weeks and I did the uh, teriyaki chicken mm-hmm. and I did the lemon uh, chicken. So yeah. it's like lemon and oregano that you told me about. Yeah, I, I made it the other I, day
1: too. I love that.
0: <laughs> I love it too. But I need to do one thing that's tricky when you're doing chicken in the crock pot. You have to trust that your ratios are good because, because, um, because I couldn't taste it. You know, I'm about to run out the door. I can't taste that broth yet because it's got raw chicken in it. Right. So I trusted the um, measurements that I was doing, you know, juice right. of two lemons or whatever. And it really wasn't lemony enough. Huh. So there's- How no much chicken drink. did you have in there? I had a lot. I had like eight thighs.
1: Mm, I probably would have done three
0: maybe for maybe that quantity. Lemons. Yeah. And I think maybe next time I would take a little bit of that cooking liquid mm-hmm. put it into a boil it get it to the point where i'd kill any salmonella and right. taste it to make sure that it's got the salt and the lemon that i want yeah,
1: and you can always adjust it afterward i mean even when it's yeah, done you can always but, add i, I more think lemon. during the
0: cooking during the cooking it needs to be right i think right. you can always adjust but i'm saying right. like salt and sour it's good that in the cooking process anyway so i'm thinking that i could easily do a gumbo in my what you yeah, got? Absolutely, in your crock pot. Absolutely. Okay, we're running out of time. Yes, we are.
1: So, so when um, we come back, we're going to talk about your vegan mess ups.
0: <laughs> so, we don't have any more Cajun Creole? Um, that's pretty much, you know what? I just wanted to touch on the differences. Yeah, and... no, I want to expound on this and, and look at okay. it up more. But, um, yeah, I'll tell you about my vegan blunders. We'll All be... right, we'll be back.
3: can't get my computer to work. Let
1: me help you with that.
0: How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On site.
3: Our geeks literally
2: come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain
3: and teach you along the way. We'll help you instantly. Call 844-606-8411. That's 844-606-8411.
4: Call 800-663-7292. 800-663-7292. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or 0 copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-663-7292. 800-663-7292. 800-663-7292. 7292.
2: Paid Non Attorney Spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and medical expenses are covered. If you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over 60, call 24 7 1 855 398 1754. 1 855 398 1754. Attorney Advertising William steppacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. <music>
1: We're back. So I can quickly go over the cre- the uh, gumbo that I made only because we I gave you so much history about the different areas and it's, it's so easy to put together. Um, I used chicken thighs. You obviously can use anything, but I used chicken thighs that were boneless and skinless and I cut them into nice pieces mm-hmm. and I quickly just in a Dutch oven, I just saute, I brown them really quickly and then took them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I threw in the okra, which I just washed and cut into slices, about half inch slices. So I got probably like five or six pieces from each okra, Mm -hmm. put them in just again, just quickly, high heat, really high heat, just quickly sauteed them and then took them out, put them in the bowl with the chicken. Then in the same pan I did, I'm just do everything in my Le Creuset, my big Dutch oven. And I cook like I'm cooking for an army always. (laughs) It's like crazy. It's a good thing, Uncle Joe, I'm stockpiling food for Uncle Joe because I always make so much. Um, Then I put the Trinity in and it's now picking up all the, you know, beautiful drippings from the chicken and the okra, which is the onion, celery, and green pepper. Cook that a little bit put some garlic in, cook that a little bit. Then I put in some andouille sausage that was sliced and a couple of slices of bacon only because I had it and I wanted to use it and I thought it would add another layer of flavor.
0: Bacon makes everything better.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I put that in. Then I put the chicken back in. I put the okra back in. I put in some chicken broth I had a little bit of tomato paste in the fridge that I wanted to use up my tube. I put a little of that in. Uh, I put some thyme and I put some cayenne pepper. Okay. And then I, I low and slow, I cooked it for probably an hour, a little over an hour maybe. You didn't okay. really need to. I mean, the andouille is pretty much cooked already. The chicken had been seared, so it wasn't. It didn't take long. Um, and then off the heat, because again, the, the okra has thickened it, but the filet powder really thickens it even more, but filet powder, you can't do on the heat. Like most thickening agents, whether you're using cornstarch or roux or whatever, usually you do it on the heat. Filet, you cannot do on the, on the heat. You have right. to take it off, and because I had such a big pot and it was so smoking hot, I let it sit there for about a half an hour before I even put the fil- filet powder in. because um, right. if you do it ahead of time, it gets—I um, think the term that they mention in the book is ribbony. You know that you know the okra slime that you get—that consistency. Yeah, when you with the filet powder, it's it almost like coagulates the sauce in a way because obviously it's thickening. But when you use the filet powder on the heat, it makes like ribbons. Like if you pick up a spoonful, rather than it dripping or being nappé or a thin sauce, it's almost um, it's almost like you have strands of cornstarch in it. Basically, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, filet yeah and i served it over i just made some plain white rice served it over that and put a little bit more filet so filet is interesting because it's just sassafras i mean it's not anything complicated but um if you do it while it's cooking like after you just put it in it has that thickening power but power sorry thickening power but I don't think that you really get the flavor of it. That's why you also can sprinkle fillet on top of it because it has a, it has a pretty distinguishable flavor to it.
0: Right. So it's it's key to to use it as a thickening agent but to add more of it at the end for right. the
1: flavor. You just sprinkle it on. Absolutely. And that was it. I mean, it was delicious. It literally took me about, you know, an hour and a half or so to make. Um, and I did it in stages.
0: And it was delicious. I'm wondering about the nutritional uh, components of filet. of Um, sassafras.
1: I don't know. That would be something I would have to research. I don't know.
0: Maybe comment on that in the next show. Because I bet you there's something, I would bet $1,000 that there's nutritional benefits to filet. Um,
1: I'm sure there is. And that actually, the filet is something that. is why gumbo is named gumbo so the african influence uh and in the african language i don't know which you know area of africa but the word for okra is king gumbo mm-hmm. and the word for philae which is the sassafras is kumbo. So that's actually where the word gumbo comes from, from uh, these two African words that either have okra or pule or both.
0: All right. Are you going to add this to your your whiteboard uh, (laughs) analysis of... uh,
1: You know what? I think it's really interesting to learn all about cuisine from every angle and especially the historical angle. Uh, You know, I I am very interested in where people come from and what they brought with them and yeah. So there you have it. There's my, uh, there's my brief analysis of New Orleans cuisine.
0: (laughs) Okay. Can I tell you about my vegan? Please. I can't wait to hear (laughs) tragedies. Okay. So I'm, I went to make tomb. Uh huh. So tomb is basically an emulsification of oil, garlic and lemon.
1: It's like an aioli,
0: right? Isn't that it's what like we said an
1: last time? Right.
0: And so I was following the the recipe, and it, it told me to. In, as I incorporated the oil, which in this case I think I was using peanut oil because I didn't. You have to use a, a mild oil, and I'm not I'm not into canola or vegetable oil anymore. Yeah. I will actually, <clears throat> I'll use those oils. In a marinade, okay, because it's just basically kind of covering, covering the meat. It's lubrication, right. And When you grill it or cook it, a lot of it gets cooked off. Mm-hmm. But when I'm doing something as a main point of, of the oil, I'm trying to use good oils. So I right. use, I think, I use peanut oil and garlic and lemon. So the recipe called for this, uh, you know, pureeing the the garlic and lemon juice.
1: So you're making it just like you make an aioli, right? Or or mayonnaise.
0: Yeah, except it told me, the recipe told me to add ice water. So ice water would be um, basically an addition to the lemon juice for emulsification purposes, to to emulsify with the, the oil. And the recipe told me to keep adding a tablespoon at a time Okay. of the ice water to help with the emulsification. Okay. Have you put oil in there yet? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, oil, it's oil, alternating oil with the ice water. Okay. Lemon okay. juice is already in there. And so what did I end up with was a broken vinaigrette, basically. It didn't emulsify. Um, with. Did it emulsify
1: much- at any point?
0: No. Huh. And I thought that You know, when I make a salad dressing, when I want it to be truly emulsified, I put the the vinegar or the liquid, you know, the the non-oil component in first. And then I add the oil and the emulsification process happens. It did not Although I'm
1: going to contradict you because if I were making a hollandaise, I would have the acidity and a little bit of the non-oil component and i would emulsify with the oil and then add the water at the end at the end perhaps thin it
0: to thin it exactly and
1: then you you can you know then you can adjust like okay that's the perfect thickness i'm not putting any more water in it so the fact that you were alternating it doesn't sound right to me because it didn't you're suspending fat molecules but then you're washing them away then you're suspending them then you're washing them away
0: Yeah. It didn't seem right to me, but I did it because I'm not a tomb expert. So I did it that way and it broke. And so now I have a giant vat of like basically salad dressing in my refrigerator. Are you
1: going to be eating it or are you giving it to your vegan clients?
0: No, we're going to be eating it. So So, I just-
1: So continue the emulsification process. Put a couple of egg yolks in a bowl and then- pour it in there.
0: That's not very vegan.
1: No, I know it's not, but you are not eating completely vegan and they <laughs> I, are.
0: That's why I asked. I'm trying to adhere to vegan principles here. Oh,
1: all right. Well, then you not a, What I what I you've want. got a broken batch. I'm just trying to tell you I how you've got a you broken batch. It. So you
0: know what I did? I added um, some mustard to it. Okay. And a little a little pinch of uh, granulated brown sugar okay. and I'm going to it as more of like a, a dressing for salad. Okay. All right. Okay. So at two, least it's not going was, to waste. It's no, it's not. So then I made vegan butter mm-hmm. and I made it out of refined coconut oil. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe a teaspoon of um, nutritional yeast. All right. And then I added um, some almond milk that was mixed with apple cider vinegar. So it coagulates like to make like a buttermilk, quote unquote, right. buttermilk.
1: Right. It, you, so you, did, that. you wanted to break it in this instance,
0: right? Yeah. That's where you want to break it. Right. And so I put, it was in a Cuisinart. And then um, I think what happened is I forgot to add at the end, you're supposed to add olive oil or some sort of oil at the end, in addition to the coconut oil. I forgot that step. So what I wound up with, you put this liquid mixture, I put it in wax paper, a wax paper lined mold, right, and solidified it in the refrigerator. And it was, the consistency was so hard. It was not like butter at all. And I think it was because I forgot that step. I, I forgot to add the other oil at the end. So if we had two cups of refined... So why don't
1: you, so, so let it quote unquote thaw.
0: Melt, melt, melt it and add in the... And
1: then add I the, put try it back that. in the Cuisinart and put some oil in it.
0: I might Wait. try to do that. So that was my second failure. My third failure. Oh God, there was three? Oh my God. Three failures, except I kind of knew this was going to happen. Okay. So I made the vegan staple of um, cashew cream. Okay. And I'm realizing... A lot of these recipes will say, oh, you can, you know, you can do it in the, in the Cuisinart, but what you really need is a high intensity blender because the high intensity blender gives you a totally different result than the Cuis does. Okay. Or the whatever food processor of your choice. Yeah. So my cashew cream came out a little grainy. Huh. Because if you're going to make true cashew cream, I think you really have to use a high-intensity blender. Do you have will, an immersion like, blender? With the handheld? Yeah. Um, I do, but I, I didn't I didn't use it at this uh, for this one. That probably would have worked too. Maybe that would have been better. But yeah. so I've got I've got
2: two. So you I still have that?
0: Tomb. I still have that. I have the broken tomb. <laughs> which is now salad dressing. I have the bad vegan butter which I'm going to try to fix and right. melt and incorporate the oil so that maybe it'll cut like butter. Right. Instead of cutting like a hard, you know, iceberg. <laughs> oh and then God. the cashew cream which I'm sure I could, you know, run out and get the appropriate blender.
1: No, put try it with your
0: immersion blender. Immersion blenders are awesome. I, know I can't just, find it. I can't find my. All right,
1: but, and the best thing to do is put it in like a cup, put it in something deep, like or you know a quart container, like the regular plastic quart containers. Because right, right. Your blade, you can move your blade up and down along the, you know, it's more cylindrical, um, right, rather than a bowl or something that's open where you have to chase it around the bowl.
0: Um, I bet it'll work. Just just do that. It might, it might, it might. So um, tonight what I'm going to make is pan-seared salmon Mm -hmm. with spinach. And I wanted to incorporate some of my failed vegan fats. Okay. So what do you think I should do? I mean, if I incorporate the cashew cream, it's going to be grainy. It's not going to be good.
1: I wouldn't do anything with the cashew cream until you get an immersion blender or, or, you know, Really puree the crap out of it um, the the other, which is now an iceberg, I would use you could almost use it like a compound butter on top of the salmon, right right when, when you're almost done, put a couple of slabs of it on the salmon, cover it, turn the heat you know off the heat, just put a couple of slabs and put a cover on it so it melts onto it right because it it's an iceberg right now so you can cut it right yeah yeah that that would be a good use of that and i i seriously feel it i mean if you want to be staying strict with your tomb um i i guess you could try to incorporate more fat into it but i i mean granted i'm not eating vegan right now but if you had two egg yolks and you poured that mixture into two egg yolks, you would be emulsified and beautiful.
0: Yes, but it wouldn't be vegan. Ugh, <laughs> Pooh when you're vegan.
1: You, from you, the, you, who
0: said
1: <laughs> in the past when you've had clients?
0: Oh, I love meat. I know. This no, is just, you've like in the past
1: said, oh, they're not going to know if I put a little bit of blah, blah, blah in there. Well,
0: this is not about, it's more...
1: You're trying to be a purist.
0: I'm trying to be a purist in in what I do. And it, it's not about what I morally feel like should go in this. It's like I'm trying to be a do a purist method.
1: I completely understand. But and to see how that works. I don't know how you can revive that i wonder if you could get another vegan fat product you know like a store-bought uh butter to revive it because you just need to emulsify it again yeah 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 yeah
0: hey you're not going to believe it but we're running out of time All right. Well, when we, the next show, I actually have a bunch of really in-depth cookbooks that are about ethnic cuisines and uh, we're out of time, but we'll, we're, I'm going to bring them up on the next show.
1: Okay. And I'm going to hit one in my next books. I'm not sure which, but it'll be one of them.
0: All right. So text me which book you're going to hit.
1: Okay. So we have a conversation. That's right. All right. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.